The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broaddus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, December 7th, 2023, season 19, episode number 84. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star, and uh, it is our job today to get you ready for Cowboys versus Eagles. Today we're going to focus in on the Eagles' defense versus the Cowboys' offense. We'll get some updates here at the beginning of the show, Patrick. Let's start there first. Yesterday uh, I was out, but I did see the news that one Mike McCarthy had a little medical issue that was going on. What do we know at this point about him and, and his availability? Yeah, a little bit of a medical scare happened in real time while we were while we were doing the show yesterday. But uh, Mike showed up to the facility yesterday to try to go through his his normal rigmarole, and he didn't feel well. Had some abdominal pain. He was going to try to tough through it. Um, but you know, his his uh, Knights of the Round Table, Dak and his coordinators, they looked at him and said, "You you don't look well." Um, go get it checked out and so he did thankfully Um, but it was found out that he had acute appendicitis so good that he caught that early because you don't uh, want it to burst right because it could be life-threatening if it bursts so uh, he underwent surgery yesterday and I'm told that he is uh, released and he is recovering now and the expectation remains that he will be available to coach against the Eagles I spoke with Bones Fossil uh, yesterday in the locker room just to kind of get a sense of uh, if the Cowboys know if Mike is going to be up in the box or if he's going to be on the sideline and and, uh, Fossil doesn't know quite yet but um, my speculation, pure speculation, my speculation is that Mike is going to be on the sideline. I think Mike wants to give that energy to his team and, and show them that he's there for them and do everything possible. So as long as uh, there's no setback, knock on wood, because it is a medical situation, um, it, the expectation is he'll be on the field or at least in some capacity present so that he can coach against the Eagles. You know, that's one where I was – I hear you say he'd be on the sideline. I don't I don't even know if that – is that – Possible? possible because when you got some it's been you, done before on the sideline though like that's a different thing like when you get cut i don't know if you've ever had surgery i've had surgery I've on my stomach surgery. before and for like the next couple of weeks i was kind of yeah. walking really slow and kind of hunched yeah. over a it's bit unpleasant. to be on a sideline and standing and for contact. three hours and, and risking, risking the contact. fact that some play runs toward you and now you got to move quickly I don't know if that's even possible, right? Yeah, this is a doctor's decision. This is going to be, you know, yeah, Mike will probably try and tough it out and all that. I was told about Dan Campbell came one time to training camp with appendicitis, and then he practiced like a week later. So he was like, you know, you feel better along the way. But Mm. this is totally a coach's decision. I was laughing because it reminded me of everybody talking yesterday. It was like when back in the day, this reminded me of Dick Cheney at the White House when they – President was out. Vice President was out. You know, everything's cool. I'm, I'm here. I'm <laughs> We're in control. Good. You know, I'm like everybody. The fire behind you, kind of mean. Everybody's talking at like the White House. You know, we're in good hands. Everybody's good. Country's on. <laughs> country's going to be fine. You know, and I just it just reminded me of that. But it's almost as big as the White House. This place. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah, if uh, if. The, if the doctors allow him, Mike Mike will try and fight through yeah, it. Yeah, I'm to. sure he would. And but yeah, it's going to be their call. It's interesting because uh, I, <laughs> I did read yesterday. North Turner 
uh, supposedly had one years ago. He had same similar situation happen mm-hmm. on Friday, and he coached the game on Sunday. Yeah. What I didn't hear was whether he was in the booth or on, on the, the sideline, side. yeah. which to me is that's a huge difference. But you know, and you know, I talked about that yesterday, mm-hmm. Amber. I just man, that seems that seems like a, a big stretch to be on a sideline a few days later. Let's look at the positive. Just make sure Cable is standing next to him to ensure no contact oh, whatsoever. Cable will make sure. And by the way, Cable is what is his, his actual title? Uh, he's like Director the head of security, or, or think, like yeah. he's, he's always the there. Version of Dom, yeah. basically. Yeah, basically. He's um, Brian calls Dom. him the Viking because he Viking. looks like a Viking. He's big and strong, and like he looks like know. he came right off the boat. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that'll make sure nobody gets to Mike if Mike Absolutely. if he's standing right in front of Mike. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. I start the more I thought about it, I'm like, if he is, let's say, in his where he does have to be on the booth, on in a booth, maybe and just maybe, this helps just kind of see the diff, uh, the game in a different perspective. And against Seattle, we were questioning some of those calls that happened later in the game and some of those decisions. Maybe you, by him being in a separate environment you you think differently and i'm thinking this game is going to be a very close one i don't see either team just completely blowing out the other one so i think it's very it's going to be a close one and most likely than not they might be um they might end up in a situation where those decisions will be will play a huge role in this game and the outcome so I'm just saying, maybe, maybe it, it, it's all meant to happen yeah. for his health and for the health of, of the team and, and what happens this weekend. But I do think that even being on the booth, I, I see positive sides to it rather than negative. Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. Uh, obviously, there's a reason DQ is up in the booth, gives him the bird's eye view, mm-hmm. yeah. um, real life, all 22 <laughs> as it's <laughs> happening. Um, so, I mean, obviously, that would, to Ambrose's point, it would give a different perspective for Mike as far as play calling, which is a huge benefit. Um, the, the negative there would be that you don't have the immediate feedback and collaboration that you would have on the sideline with Dak Prescott and some of the receivers. So it's a little bit of a trade-off, but I just want Mike to do whatever is best for his health. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. And uh, ultimately, it does sound like he will be available to coach at the game, what his location is between him and the doctors. But you know, I'm sure they'll get it figured out. That's an interesting thought because I, I never have really noticed during games, I don't know if you guys have, does, I, I've seen some head coaches who call plays mm-hmm. going back and talking to their play their players while they're on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I've never really noticed that with Mike. It, it it always seems to me like he's up at the front, still watch, still engaged with the game. I think Scott but I don't, have Tolzien, you guys seen that much? I think Scott Tolzien is the one guy. It, it's funny because Brian Schottenheimer stands at one end of the bench, and it's like he stands opposite of where Mike is. Okay. And then you've got Linda Wells, and that the, he's responsible for getting personnel in and out of the game. Linda is. Yeah. And so you'll see. So Mike is standing right there with him. But I, I, I usually see Scott Tolzien is the one that sits down with Dak and Cooper Rush right. when it comes to uh, any type of work they need to go through and sequencing on their pads or things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. If he's not one that typically spends a whole lot of time with players on the sideline, maybe that's not an effect that you feel if he's in the press box as you do other times. Taking antacids because of the games? Is that what we're doing? That's that's thanks to my my good old trusty uh, next-gen stats 
website I'm looking at. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll, I'm interested to see yep. number one, where is he, and then what's the difference? Is there really a difference based on what he typically does in a game? Is there really a difference? What I do know is this offense is really. Really playing at a high level right now. I really don't want anything to change. Right, I don't want anything to change. But obviously, this week, due to these circumstances, something's going to probably be a little bit different. And hopefully, Michael just be in a good headspace to be able to do what he normally does coming off of surgery. And he'll be, as you said, his medical situation will be taken care of first and foremost. All right, let's talk about a a roster move Cowboys made yesterday. Peyton Hendershot activated. He is now back to the uh, fifty-three man roster. Sean McCune now takes his spot. On IR, Brian, I see your eyebrows raised. How you feel gum, about that? They scraped the gum off of Brian. Right. Yeah, Tell you what, man. How you feel I, about that? I'm in, I'm in a good – you talk about being in a good space right now. <laughs> I, you know what? I think this more has to do with and, – and he's dealing – McEwen's dealing with an ankle injury right yeah. now that's going to cost him some time here for the next four weeks. But I think they're more confident with Hunter Lipke being that fullback role. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a little bit easier for them to say if Hunter Lipke wasn't doing a decent enough job – then there's probably no reason to put McEwen down. Uh, you would probably say, okay, just fight through it, and you know we'll keep playing you, and you'll play special teams. But I think it's more about how they're they're happy with what Hunter Lipke's done, and it's allowed them to make this move. So I'm glad personally to have Hendershot back. I think he offers you another weapon. I know we haven't seen it all. The tight ends, I think, as a whole, have been a pretty damn good group. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of questions about them coming into training camp, but they've they've more than exceeded my expectations for what they've done. So adding Hendershot back, I, I think that's a guy that you, we're going to be surprised. He might make a play or two that all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, we've missed that for the last four or five weeks. So uh, I, I'm, I'm totally okay with this move right now. Yeah, same. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, prior to them making the decision, I wanted to see Hendershot activated um, for a couple reasons. One, uh, if you go back and look at his rookie film, yeah, he had some downs, but he had some ups. Um, just needs to get more con- control over um, his receiver, his receptions, you know, no tip drill interceptions, no drops. But when he makes a play, boy, is it a play. Um, so he's flashed in a way that really made me excited to see the duo of him and Ferguson before the schoolmaker pick was made. Um, but then Ferguson kind of struggled starting the season, and then he's been gone ever since on IR. So I wanted to see him back on the field to see uh, how he reacts to returning, how he reacts to it being the Jake Ferguson show with schoolmaker getting involved. How do the Cowboys get Hendershot? involved what does that look like as far as that trio is concerned at uh, atop the tight end depth chart but also you need to see what he can give you um, before you get into this offseason because we're all excited about what John Stevens Jr. Uh, could have been this season if not for the torn ACL so we're all looking forward to seeing what he can be when he gets back on the field uh, and you know OTAs and mini camp and training camp um, and there's going to have to be a decision made months and months from now and you just want to as a GM and as Will McClay in that scouting department you want to be able to have as much data and film in front of you as possible uh, when that camp battle fires up. So for all of those reasons and more, um, and the more being I believe Hendershot can be another weapon for Dak Prescott, this is just the smart move. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before, even yesterday. I have my doubts. I, he's a player that <clears throat> had a great start of his uh, NFL career. He did a re- great job last year in what he showed everybody. I'm a fan of his, and I wish him the best, and I hope that he can be someone that can contribute right away in this tough month of December. And to me, it's more of the timing of how things are playing now because even prior to the injury, he wasn't – having a good year he didn't have a good training camp even the games that he was there he it was not good so 
I think it, it was more on the mental side of things. Hopefully he's in a better headspace and going into this and knowing that the Cowboys are opening a spot for him, which should make him feel better and giving, you know, that you they're, they're still putting trust in him and his game. So bunch of doubts on my end, but I do, I, I am rooting for him and I do really like him a lot and I hope it, it he's able to translate good things into the field. Now, I do really hope that you make a good point, Amber, as far as his mental headspace. I really hope that he's looking at it in that capacity as far as being thankful for the opportunity and, and willing to step in and, and make some plays versus thinking to himself, oh, it took them 21 days and they almost went to the buzzer with this. Like, don't look at it the latter. Look at it the former. You're on the field. Go out there and make some plays and, and make them um, make them right. Prove them right because this is the team that gave you a chance as an undrafted free agent. This is the team that gave you the reps last year so that you could flash and so don't look at it as oh it took it took them 21 days are they unsure no go out there and handle your business yeah i just want to real quickly say before we go to break you got to give a lot of credit to lunda wells and what he's done with this tight end group like you talked about this group in this room like this this group you're talking about guys that have that he's developed like Dalton Schultz, we all sat on this show. Uh, you, probably you over on Talking Cowboys at the time, and we're like, "Yeah, I think the the Dalton Schultz show is over." And this was like year yeah, two of Rock his career. Like we were like, we were like, he's not, <laughs> he's never going to develop. And uh, and and you you saw him develop and turn into a really really good player for the Cowboys. And now you look at a guy like Jake Ferguson in his second year who is producing well enough to where I think he's going to be a part of the conversation for a Pro Bowl. Like he's he playing be. at that level. Um, and and you start thinking about that and what Hendershot was able to do as a rookie last year, and then what we saw from even from John Stevens this year the at training camp. camp. Like there are this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to signing, and he has a career before the Cowboys where he had a lot of production there as well with the Giants. So. I just I got to give him a little love. Luna well, knows what he's doing. Some people say he's actually a better offensive line coach. Really? Yeah. That wow. he's that he's that type of coach. I would trust that, it. That yeah. if you plugged him in as an offensive line coach, he would be just as just as productive. Yeah, yeah. he knows what he's doing. He's doing a great job. And you, with coaches, you always got to look at the results and look at the results over time. His results over time look pretty darn good. Yeah, Lunda's been phenomenal, and and I love the relationship between uh, Lunda and the scouting department because it's you know as well as Lunda is developing this talent, and he is most certainly doing that. The collaboration that leads to just them spotting the right kind of talent and and the right fits for the situation. Because I know there was some, not me, because I was on the Fergie train last year, but there were some that were wondering, okay, well if, with Dalton Schultz, you lose him, you're losing over 800 yards of production, you're losing Dak Prescott's uh, statistically his number one target. What is that? look like okay well you look at lunda wells and he says jake you're up uh and then he says schoolmaker we can develop you while jake is you know so jake's hit another level i think last game he tied jason witten for the most receiving touchdowns uh through the first couple of seasons um so when you're in that conversation this early it's good stuff and actually that's another reason why i'm a big believer that give schoolmaker time Yes. It's going to work out, because trust me, because I have faith time. in Lunda. Lunda knows what I'm he's doing. Train by They're gonna, <laughs> he's going to – that's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying I trust Lunda on this one. He'll get it right. He'll get him to a point where he needs to be, and I think in a year or two we'll look back and be like, yeah, he was just, he was just growing pains. And thanks He'll to Jake, fine. he has time to develop yeah. because he didn't have to come in, kind of like Mozzie Smith, didn't have to come in and immediately be that guy because of Jonathan Hankins, yeah. Osa, Chauncey. Same with Schoolmaker. Doesn't have to come in and be the definitive heir to Schultz because Jake Ferguson, he's wearing that crown, and I I think he's going to keep wearing that crown. All right, we're going to take our first break, come back. We'll talk about the Philadelphia defense versus the Cowboys offense. We'll be back, DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now... 
Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is, Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say, give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks girl, better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. All right, it's that time of year. It's NFL Fan of the Year time. Uh, Sean Polite is your uh, 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year, and now he needs your help. Vote for Sean to be given the ultimate title of NFL Fan of the Year, presented by Captain Morgan by casting your vote at NFL.com slash fan of the year. You all, you Eagle fans, get out there and vote for Sean. He's your he's your guy. <laughs> Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. This segment brought to you by Blockchain.com. All right, let's talk about the Philadelphia defense versus the yeah. Cowboys offense. Okay, I'm going to start with a bigger picture question, Brian. Yeah. If you had to identify one thing, uh, that one problem that the Philadelphia defense posed for the Cowboys offense when they met earlier this season, what would you identify that to be, and has that area improved for Dallas since that time? Uh, I was going to lead this thing off by saying this game is going to come down to how well Terrence Steele plays a right go. tackle. And uh, it really, it's it whether it's uh, Hassan Reddick or it's uh, Sweat or it's. Uh, any number, Brandon Graham, anybody that they put over on that side uh, that's going to rush him. Uh, you know, it's offensive linemen, you've heard me say this a bunch. They play 70 plays. If they have three bad plays, it's usually a really good game. If they have six bad plays, it's probably a pretty bad game. And uh, Terrence still had his moments where he was actually pretty good watching the tape last night again. Uh, they've got to figure out a way to maybe help him. And now that comes at a price. Um, the price is, do you get in his way and mess him up uh, when he's blocking? There's a lot of these offensive tackles that don't like help on the outside because backs, tight ends, people get in the way of your technique. And so you have to be very mindful of, can your offensive tackle handle somebody that's helping him? 
you know, you could chip guys. You can, you can. I think the way that Cowboys can do it in this game is they can try and widen Reddick. And I mean, I mean, widen is you make him play, you make him wider in space. Mm-hmm. When you put a man to his side, he has to. He's going to play on the outside shoulder. So if you know, that's that would how I would do it. I, I would go back to the plan. Several years ago, they played uh, Joey Bosa in a game. Actually, it was Terrence Steele's first start, and it was there were times where they didn't always allow Steele to block one on one. And you know, we're probably past all that, but I would just make sure I would keep Reddick as wide as possible. Now, but you don't think he's he's improved since they played the Eagles? Oh, he's improved, but I'm not going to take another chance. I'm not going to. He was. He was. Yeah, there, I've seen him play very, very well. But that right, speed. that right tackle spot wrecked your game His last time speed. you played. His yeah. speed is a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. And so, yeah, you can improve, but you also, you know, you also got to make sure that you don't let it yeah. happen again. What happened the first time mm-hmm. that you played him in week nine? Now, I'll say this though too. Last week I saw Reddick against the 49ers shift to the other side. So for some reason they were trying to run uh, him not in the, uh, as the left end but as the right end in this game and against Trent Williams, which I really didn't understand. But it might have been because the 49ers were able to run the ball going to their left. They had a, the, the, the Eagles had a problem with the toss sweep perimeter plays on the outside. So they might have put – uh, uh, Reddick over there to try and maybe keep people from or from the 49ers running the football at him to that side, but there's kind of going to be a game going on here. They they can't let whoever's playing left end just go after Steele in this football game. And I I trust Steele, but I do I do want to give him some help in certain situations. It doesn't have to be all the time, but I just want to make sure that we're covered on that right side. How much has the loss of uh, Dean and Cunningham, their linebackers, hurt them? Hurt them? And in yeah. what ways? What what have you? What is? How has it manifested itself? Them being well, on? I'll tell you what. Uh, when you when you look at Dean and Cunningham, both they they both were playing okay. Yeah. Before in week nine, they were okay. I, you know, going back and looking at my notes, uh, you know, teams have had the ability to throw the ball on these guys when they were in coverage. Uh, there was a time where you know these guys had been uh, targeted quite a bit, and all of a sudden it's. You know, eleven for eleven. You know, you know, twenty-five of thirty-two. I mean, they they'd had struggles in some areas where, and now uh, they they signed Shaq, you know, Shaq Leonard to play. It's created a problem. Nicholas Morrow can't play, and then Christian uh, Elias uh, was their starter last week against the 49ers. They cut him Wednesday to make room for Shaq Leonard. That just shows you a guy who was actually more productive. Morrow, I thought, was the worst player on the field defensively wow. for the for the for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. He's likely going to start now. They they think that they might get Cunningham back in this game. Okay. They think uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. But if that's the if uh, that if he doesn't answer the bell, then you're going to see Morrow and you're going to see Leonard playing probably the majority of the linebacker in this football game. If you were having to make that decision for the offense for the Cowboys' offense, how do you best exploit what they're doing at linebacker? Well, the problem is that, you know, the thing is with – I know watching Shaq Leonard play, I know what he could do. He's not going to get fooled. Moro, you can absolutely fool. You you can get him to go one way and then take the ball back the other. You can manipulate him. 
Shaq Leonard doesn't let you manipulate him like that. Yeah, he's too much of a veteran for yeah, that. He's yeah. not going to let you – he's not going to look at motion. And, and that's what San Francisco does. They've, they've taken good linebackers yeah. and made them look foolish in space by the way with their orbit motions. That's the motion that goes around mm-hmm. and then all the way around. Uh, you know, they, they do things to kind of try and mess with you. Uh, if Morrow's playing, I'm, I'm doing everything in my power to make him see the wrong things. <clears throat> Because he'll make a mistake, and he'll go the wrong way, and then all of a sudden he'll leave a, a vacant area there. I don't know with Leonard if he would do that. But and I, and and having Cunningham back would help them. But they, they are they are clearly in trouble at one of the linebacker spots with Morrow playing. Yeah, I'd say um, make these linebackers cover. Um, and, and Shaq Leonard, uh, you know, he has to ramp up. We'll see if he even takes the field, and if he does take the field, maybe a handful of snaps, whatever the case may be. Uh, Shaq Leonard is he excels at run defense, not so much in coverage though. Yeah. Uh, and then behind this linebacker core, which Brian to get to momentarily, they have a secondary that struggles. Um, so if you're talking about pressing the linebacker core, uh, this is a, a game where you revert back to uh, setting up the run by virtue of the pass go out and pass and first stretch them horizontally that could be on bubbles and those types of screens um even if it's a handoff but if it's like a cd lamb end around or Cavante turpin end around make the make those linebackers play sideline to sideline um and just stretch them out and that's what you do and over the course of a game they get more and more fatigued uh and then you know the secondary can't really back them up as far as coverage is concerned so uh, i think that's how you attack this linebacker core they can they're going to be uh again this is the same eagles defense although personnel has changed their defensive line is really good against stopping the run um, and the linebackers aren't poor at stopping the run and the Shaq Leonard is actually good at stopping the run but as far as coverage is concerned uh, that's a liability for the Eagles linebackers they were really good the first two series of the game the Eagles came out on defense and mm-hmm. it looked like they had a good uh, idea of how they were needed to play and get that done they got 49ers off the field the first couple and then all of a sudden you get a Brandon Ayuk uh, yep. play you get a, a christian mccaffrey play yep. and now all of a sudden it's they got them on their heels mm-hmm. you know they can't figure things out and now all the motion and things are making it even worse but the first two series of the game you were thinking like okay the the, the eagles have got this thing kind of they're on a good path right now and then things just really really fell apart for them because again they they they, they lose when we talk about their secondary they lose coverage their guys in the secondary lose coverage. They lose men. Uh, like I say, Morrow, the linebacker, loses his guy. Next thing you know, McCaffrey's running wide open, and it's a huge play down the sidelines. You know, they, they, they've, they've had their problems when teams have been able – and the, 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 when, when their edges haven't gotten home, because the middle of their defense is really more about power and strength and being bullies than it is pass rushers. You know, if you can contain, if you can control guys pushing on you and handle the edges, their defense is in trouble because if they don't get, if they don't get the pressure, then their secondary has been just, you know, teams have feasted on them. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with some of their best players. Darius Slay hasn't played to the level he has been in the past. And then James Bradbury has been awful in a lot of situations. And so there's a lot of separation. Uh, there's uh, there's there's guys that are just open, and they've dealt with some injuries. They haven't figured out the nickel. Eli Ricks 
Anytime you see 39 on the field, the ball needs to go to his direction. <laughs> anytime. Playing a target on him, that's your target. That's, I'm, just, I'm just saying that, you know, and I have a feeling that, wrong. That I have a feeling they're going to try and get Darius Slay on Lamb as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'll take that matchup. Yeah. If that's the case. That's their best matchup. No, that is their best matchup. And if that's the case, then now you need to wear them out with your other guys. Will they follow? Will, would he follow yeah. him into the slot? I don't think he will follow him into the slot. Because here's the other thing. I, I noticed this. I was looking at some numbers. This season so far, C.D. Lamb leads the NFL in receiving yards and touchdowns from yeah. the slot. Yeah. And Philly, on the other hand, has allowed the most yards mm-hmm. uh, from the slot with 1,359 yeah. yards. It's 158 more yards than any other team right. from the slot. My thought is... If you're trying to match him up, guess what? I'm going to put, put him, him in the slot, slot, yeah. slot as much as possible, especially if you're telling me this guy at 39 Rich. is going to be the one that's going yep. to be lined up across from yep. him. Yeah. Guess what? It's going to be a slot day for CeeDee Lamb, and let's go. Yeah. You know? they, they've, they've really struggled. And, they, and, they, and their safety, Reed Blankenship, is, they think he's a good player. Uh, you know, he's got two interceptions at safety, but he's given up the second-most touchdowns. So you know, now is this his game for Ferguson. How do they match up with him? Is Blankenship going to be in coverage with him? You got. I think you got several options. Yeah. You need to figure out the right tackle spot. Help him as much as you can, and then Dak let him go to work on this secondary because these receivers, these receivers can definitely get open against these guys. And, and the good news for the Cowboys is you. <laughs> It's often said that it's a copycat league, but just because someone shows you the blueprint doesn't mean that you have the same tools in your toolbox to be able to build that, what they built. But the Cowboys, in seeing what the blueprint was from from uh, the 49ers versus Philadelphia, the Cowboys have that Buffalo same. Buffalo, too. Yeah, the Cowboys have those horses on offense as well. And now they've really leaned into that pre-snap motion, as we've talked about, because the last two weeks they've had, you know, two weeks of consecutive season highs in pre-snap motion, over 70% both times so Brian pointed this out very astute the uh the San Francisco 49ers they were able to use Christian McCaffrey Brandon Ayuk to get them off balance and then it was just an onslaught of pre-snap motion Cowboys can and will do the exact same thing so credit to them for having that leverage against a a Philadelphia defense that just automatically doesn't cover well and then now you start moving people around and making them think and making them guess that just makes it more difficult for them also a secondary in Philly Three thousand, roughly thirty-three hundred passing yards allowed. We talked about this yesterday. Um, Twenty-seven touchdowns allowed. I mean, they're league worst in one of those categories, behind only the Washington Commanders defense, yeah. and they're tied with the Commanders defense for league worst in another one of those categories. Yeah. And roughly thirteen, fourteen hundred yards um, are basically on yak. So you can, if you can get the ball in the playmakers' hands. You can you can get this Philadelphia defense on their heels and really just reeling over the course of four quarters. Yeah, right. this is it's, you know when you it was man it's just so clear watching them play that's the struggles that they have and, yeah. and and you're like and you're thinking like man this is supposed to be a really good defense and they're really not. I mean, no. they, they, they struggle in a lot of areas. The one thing they can yeah. do, they can stop the run and yeah. they can rush your passer. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah. behind that is bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're fourth worst in the NFL in passer rating allowed at just under 99. Um, their secondary is just a well, meal to be had. When yeah. you go back, I remember you know, going back and watching the game, there's things you forget. Dak did a great job, even when the yeah. pass rush got home. Of escaping and then mm-hmm. finding Lamb along the sidelines, finding uh, Ferguson wide. Open. I mean, there were when Dak has been able to escape, 
man, he has made some really, really good throws against these guys. And, you know, hopefully he won't have to do a lot of escaping. Hopefully a lot of his stuff will be from the pocket that they got that thing taken care of and he can – he can work from there. And Derek, you talk about um, how can you apply pressure and, and stress out those linebackers. Dak in his legs. Yeah. Dak in his legs. He ran and in the game last absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. If Dak injects that as another option for the Cowboys, that's something else the linebackers have to worry about. And yep. they're just not designed in Philadelphia to, to handle all of those particular weapons and, and threats. So um, Cowboys offense is cooking and firing on all cylinders for a reason. All right, let's take our final break. We will come back. And I have a question for you guys about Michael Gallup. I started looking at some of his snaps counts. Now, it's declined quite a bit here as the season has worn on. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. We'll do it when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys. VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code COWBOYSVIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. This is the season for youth football and dan- dance camps presented by Avisaline. Don't miss your chance to learn from the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and former NFL players at AT&T Stadium December 22nd and 23rd. Celebrate the holidays with the Cowboys. <laughs> Register today at DallasCowboys.com slash camps. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I had a question for you guys. I was looking at Michael Gallup's snap counts uh, over the season. Check this out. In weeks one through six, uh, he was averaging 44.7 snaps per game. That's second on the team uh, behind um, C.D. Lamb. Cooks was a little bit under him at 44, so they were about equal at that time. Since then, starting week 8 through 13, that would be after the bye through the last game, he's only been averaging 30 snaps per game, yeah. down about 14 snaps per game. Uh, that has him third on the team, tied with J- uh, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, and Cooks is up a little bit to 49.3. Essentially, everybody below him has increased their number of snaps, uh, including Brooks. 
Uh, all of them have increased their number of snaps per game, and Gallup has dropped pretty significantly. Do you think that's more about the fact that they want to get more guys involved, or do you think that's more about the fact they were not happy necessarily with what they're getting from Gallup? I think you could you could argue that it was a combination of the two. Um, but outside of Gallup um, lighting the field on fire like CeeDee Lamb was doing, the, the inevitable plan was to get Jalen Tolbert involved more, if no one else, to get Kevontae Turpin involved more, if no one else. So because the Cowboys knew going into this season they were going to want to get Turpin involved more, they were going to have to get Cooks his looks, they were going to have to get uh, Jalen Tolbert his looks, uh, that – was that means it was inevitable that you would see a downturn in Michael Gallup's snap count. And then the question was simply, what would Gallup do with the opportunities he was given? And it's been an up-and-down affair, more up lately than down. So kudos to him for kind of being resilient in that aspect. But, uh, yeah, but when they were the down moments, then, of course, that then shifts more reps over to guys like Turpin, who's been producing. Tobert, who's coming through in critical situations like the 17-yard reception, you, that's helping out your quarterback. That's going to earn you more reps reps going forward so I wouldn't put too much stock in um, them having any thoughts of at the moment being over quote-unquote Michael Gallup as much as it is because he's started playing well he's kind of on a consistent trend of you know he's not lighting the field on fire but he's doing what he needs to do when the ball comes his way critical possession receptions and things like that but when you're trying to get Tolbert involved and you're you got to keep Turpin involved because he's earned that something's got to give yeah, you do have a lot of different weapons that you you, you want to keep active. Yeah, for sure. That you do want to keep active and give them something. You know, you don't uh, so you can have s- different looks to show uh, at different times depending who you're playing. But with Gallup, I'll be honest. Like sometimes he became he he has become forgettable. Um, and that's not something good. And the times that I do remember, and we've talked about it, like he has those moments that, okay, he's playing bad, not catching the ball, not doing much, and then all of a sudden he makes a really good play. And you're like, right. okay, yes, that's why. There we go. There we go. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. But it doesn't happen very often. And, and I do agree with him improving, but it's just – not enough when you do have other guys that are making bigger plays. I'm, I, I think um, they've given him plenty of chances, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I do see the reasoning in the decline because even I keep forgetting that game where it seemed like they kept forcing the ball Los on Angeles him Chargers. against the Chargers, where it just seemed forced. And I, I was like, okay, why? Why? Like, sometimes a single player has a bad game, and it's okay. It happens to yeah. everybody. But just, like, you can yeah, look don't do that. the other way yeah. and keep attacking somebody else. It, do so it's, it's it, I don't know. I, I saw it coming eventually, uh, but at the same time, I'm glad that, there are a lot more guys being involved and and finding success in that and with Michael Gallup being able to still have some involvement in there as well. Yeah, he threw a really good block in the fourth and one play the other day that kind of it sprung Pollard to get the first down. And so he hasn't lost interest in trying to do what he's when he's on the field. Which is consistent with his personality. Yeah, it's very consistent with his personality. He's just Mm -hmm. getting it done. Tolbert. Uh, I think that you know he's starting to show some things with his ability to be on the field to block as well as his route running. Uh, this is a difficult offense, I believe, for Michael Gallup because he, I don't think he's a great route runner. And I think he struggles to get off the line. Uh, they, they, they have 
these now the way the offense is it's really relying on combinations of receivers running routes and working with tight ends Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden though you get cooks lamb and ferguson all together to run a route it's two outs and a seam and now it's a touchdown Mm -hmm. you know and so you're you're using different combinations uh, of receivers and the tight ends to create separation for each other and i think it's been a little bit of a problem for gallup when he's part of the combination group. Maybe his route isn't as good. Maybe it's not as at depth. Maybe it's not finishing. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the things that you kind of deal with. And they're saying, well, if we're gonna if we're going to attack people, we want to run this route combination, okay, we gotta go with, you know, these guys that we know can can get it done. And I think that's where it's kinda but to his credit, and I mentioned it before, he hasn't lost interest at all. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to do anything that they ask him to do, and that's that's really where you're at. And that's a decision that's probably going to be have to be made at the end of the end of the season, especially with the emergences emergence of of Cooks and then Tolbert uh, and even you know, Brooks playing some too. Yeah. you know that's going to be a question you're going to have to answer at the end of but the. But I year. see Tolbert kind of the same way as Gallup sometimes, as far as like the consistency aspect yeah. of it, where Tolbert he will have some really good plays, but then all of a sudden he doesn't. Right. So it, it's just I see them kind of both having the same as far as consistency because they play very differently. But um, as far as results and all that, I think the fact that Tolbert is the younger guy, the newer guy that they did draft and brought in, and I think that kind of gives them more. Yeah, yeah, that gives them more reason as to why keep giving him giving him more playing time. I will say this, and this is not a knock on anyone, but if given the opportunity, I am a firm believer that Brooks will be every bit as good as any of those receivers really that are good. not the top two receivers on this roster it, right now. I, I think that guy watching him in training camp. Watching the opportunities he's had with the Cowboys, played that way in South Carolina. Yeah, he's it, one of those guys. It, it, that if the ball's in his in his yeah, area, yeah. he's gonna catch it. He's yeah. coming down with it, yeah. and he makes the play. I, I really am excited about what can be expected from him in the future, and I do think that that's gonna shake up that that part of the roster when you start looking at these wide receivers. They better be aware. Jalen Brooks, he's a he's a significant player. He's gonna be a player in this league. I and think. and for him to be a rookie, he he's not deer in the headlights. No, um, not at all. That, that game that uh, Turpin was inactive and Brooks was brought up. Um, he went out there and had like three critical receptions and like 33 yards and okay. Uh, and they kept him active the next week. So to your point, I mean, he when he's thrown on the on center stage, all he sees is ball. All yeah. he sees is football. He's yeah. not, his knees aren't shaking. I mean, he's out there to play. He's so good. Yeah. yeah. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to wrap this thing up, let you know who we think is going to win this game and what we think the score is going to be. Till then, for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!